you have the confidence that you can accept the ball. Now, as a point of interest, none of my men wear protection in the morning. We are live. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Big D After Dark, brought to you, of course, by BigDSoccer.com. I'm the host here at Nathan J. Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter and Jose uh, there at El Chico Carmona. I think Tommy is going to join us here Hello. in a few minutes. He's running a bit late. Uh, but, hey, uh, and, and Ishmael, unfortunately, has to do something called schoolwork. Whatever. Whatever that is. But... Uh, Blessings to him. We know that's that's uh, that's a real thing. So we're glad you're joining us here. Remind you, this is an interactive show. Uh, we love it when you share it, spread the spread the love, and and let other folks come on. Um, oh, here comes Tommy right now. We're gonna. All right, hey, we're we're live. Hey, Tommy, you, you made it just in time. We're hey, live. Then there's your buddy Tommy LaBeouf at Tom underscore FC Dallas on Twitter. So yeah, this is an interactive show. We want to we want to see your comments, your feedback, your questions from an interesting week of weekend of soccer. So FC Dallas did not play, but we had plenty to focus on. North Texas SC won its home opener three to one against Minnesota United FC two. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I've got some. Some clips from the media availability before that match that we can get into, um, uh, and then, but but also the United States men's national team, uh, since we last talked, fought fought to a hard draw at Azteca. Hell very, yeah! A very good, yeah. A, a very good result on um, a place that can be really tough, and then, yep. uh, as we saw last night. Uh, U.S. against Panama, all but clinched their spot in Qatar uh, with a five-to-one beat down, including goals from Paul Ariola and Jesus Ferreira. The really, you know, and we're going to start there. We're just going to start there and enjoy the moment. And we're always nervy about these things because of what happened four years ago when when the U.S. just had to beat a minnow. Uh, and and weren't able to get the job done, and so I understand the anxiety for fans because this is a team that hasn't always stepped up to the plate. But this team is also different. The, the coach is different, and as much as we can criticize Berhalter for some of his, uh, you know, some things that we maybe not haven't liked to how the team has played, uh, he has got this, this these youngsters to buy in, and we've seen development and growth. From a lot of guys, and of course, you have FC Dallas to thank for a lot of it. I mean, oh man, a huge chunk of that men's national team roster uh, are FC Dallas alums, uh, academy kids. Just there's just a lot, 
FC Dallas is all over this, and so uh, we in, in last night with Paul Ariola and Jesus Ferreira. Oh, what a what a great what what great moments for them as well. So let's get into it. what are what were your reactions to that match? Um, and uh, which one, the Panama match? Let's go with the Panama match. Well, either okay. one. Let's we let's talk about the yeah, Azteca, Mexico, and and Panama. Um, well, I think it was the perfect results. Really, I mean. Uh, you know, I'm a proponent that they needed to start a strong enough team that was capable of getting a point in in at least at least a point and possibly win in, in Mexico and the Azteca. And that's exactly the kind of team they rolled out. And honestly, for large stretches of that match, the U.S. was the better team. You know, it's you almost felt like they left points there. Like they could have walked out of there with three points, but I'm not complaining because honestly a point on the road in CONCACAF is an excellent result. And then of course, everyone was freaking out about Panama. And I mean, that win had FC Dallas signed all over it from Shaq Moore, basically being forced to start at right back. You know, and he was the third. He was the third back, and you had Cannon with the COVID and uh, Yedlin with the uh, suspension, I believe. And so he steps in right off the bat. Then you had uh, Zimmerman drawing that PK, the first PK. You had the initial shithousery from Ferreira when everyone was certain he was going to take the PK, but he was just basically, he was just basically making sure that they didn't go after Pulisic and try to get into his head. Uh, that was great, by the way. And then, of course, Ariola with the goal. I, I think he had an assist, too, I believe. And uh, and Ferrer eventually with a goal. And I don't even – I'm not even upset that he skied that one shot that was, you know, behind yeah, him. Right. Uh, because who cares? By that time, the game was over, and really they were just having fun. I think you saw Panama come out knowing that the kids were basically – had lost some interest down the stretch and, and, and that's why they gave up the goal. But really it was not really a thing, you know, it's like, it didn't matter by that time if they allowed a goal or not. Um, they go to Costa Rica needing to lose by five goals or something like that, which is uh, Costa Rica hasn't beaten anybody in uh conquer calf by five goals since the seventies. Mm-hmm. And, Think of how hard that is to do in the, in a region with so many minnows in it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not one of those people that's upset that they brought out the banner because it's it's a foregone conclusion that they will qualify. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just a matter of where, yeah, that, that slim outside chance they'll be playing a, one more match uh, against New Zealand or something. But uh... I, I, it's not necessary. I mean, if you're a football fan and Alabama is playing Kentucky, you know how that game's going to finish. And this is the same thing. Costa Rica has been bad. I mean, I could see I could see the U.S. basically decided to just bunker and, and walk out of there with a draw. And that's that would be acceptable to everybody. I, I hope they go for the win. I mean, it, it's more realistic. The more CONCACAF thing to happen would be if Canada somehow chokes against in Panama and the U.S. beats Costa Rica and Canada somehow doesn't finish on top, which by all rights, they should be. I'm just saying that's the more likely of two scenarios to happen. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm not concerned. And and honestly, fans should just watch the game and enjoy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tommy, what what were your reactions to the matches? Well, the one in Mexico, I as as Jose said, they were the better team. And if it's not for um, Pulisic kicking it right to the keeper, point blank range, it's one zero. Oh, and, and I and still people. haven't figured out what people. I still haven't figured out what he was doing. That should have been two zero. That should have been a victory. So, yeah, I mean, Greg's pulling the right strings, and he did. He had the right lineup. You know, everybody was all worried about going with the second stream. And and um, that game, if I'm recalling, Kellen Acosta was just magnificent, right? And so was Reyna. I mean, there's so many reasons to be positive about the U.S. team. I never really paid much attention to Reyna. And now I've seen him play these games. And, wow, he is so good. And, he, and you know, he's still coming back from injury. He's not 100%. So that's why he came off the bench, right? Um, no, actually, yeah, Mexico. Actually, there was a there was a bug, a bug. Uh, like oh, the last game. Of the, yeah, on that on that but, game, there was a bug that was going around. But in Mexico, I think he's still recovering from an injury. He had an. Uh, oh yeah, a, no, a you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and then uh, Panamanian game. Uh, yeah, I mean, like they got the the PK. I thought the second PK was a little iffy. But I think that's something that the USA is going to have to learn that one day it's going to come back to haunt them that, you know, hands to the face, whatever. It's so picky now with the VAR, you know, they, you know, I, I don't know. It seems like they lose their discretion that what's a, what's a penalty and what's not. I thought the first one definitely was. The second one, it didn't look like a penalty to me. But credit to uh, the plan, you I, know, the, the FC Dallas plan. I think it plan was a penalty. And, Okay. I, I just say uh, I think it was a penalty, but we're so used to not getting those penalty calls. Penalty maybe calls so. in Conquer yeah. And I think that's yeah. by Conquer standards, it's not a penalty. <laughs> but the the success against Panama goes all the way back to um Lucci from coaching up Jesus Ferreira. It goes back to um Nico Estevez being the coach and bringing in Ariola and Ferreira and having them play together. They were on the same page. Why is that? Because they play for Dallas, right? Um, they run the system. Yeah, and, and and then you look at Greg Burkhalter. It's just the way he uses the bench. I mean, uh, he's not just playing the same lineup. And in past years, I, I want to say that it's always the same lineup, but maybe a couple of changes here and there. But not that's not the case anymore. And it's you know it's going to be a different lineup Wednesday. And I, I think I think we're going to see Pepe. So. Yeah, I I uh, I just want to point out that. The MLS players that, you know, a lot of Euro people are all complaining about, this is where you should be playing them. You should be playing them in CONCACAF fixtures because they are familiar with a lot of the opponents. There's a lot of familiarity. They're likely, they are more likely to play against some of their opponents than the the players that are in Europe. So from a coach's standpoint, he's got to take them to consideration and say, hey, you know, Kellen Acosta has played against a lot of these guys. Walker Zimmerman has played against a lot of these guys. Okay, yes, they're in MLS, but they have experience against a lot of the players in CONCACAF. On, and, and I think that's yeah. very valuable for a coach. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I and, mean, it wasn't... Go ahead. Well, well, I you know, I think something we've, we've, we're sort of circling around, and, you know, you, United States fans are, are real picky, are real... We're real touchy about our lineups, and we have a lot of opinions, and even about a guy like Paul Ariola and stuff, and whether he belongs or not. Which I th- I think he does. I think he's shown he's just a great asset to a roster. And 
But um, it, one thing that's both good and bad is that I think in our pool of players, unlike maybe some other France, Germany, the top teams, or even some, you know, Argentina, Brazil, like we don't have the quote unquote superstar. We have a whole cluster of players that are all in the same range. So, so that's, what's been amazing to see is getting good minutes out of, you know, whether you, DeAndre Yedlin, uh, Reggie, you know, we, we got so many right backs. The coach Burhalter said that outside backs is one of our, our secret weapons that we just have such depth there. Um, you know, other than Pulisic, you know, we've got just lots of options and lots of guys. Maybe, maybe Weston is in that category too. Um, I think he is. Yeah, yeah, but you you don't have a huge drop off after that, and we've seen that time and time again that you can get some real quality in this setup out of Kellen Acosta. Musa is good. It creates the the downside is that it creates problems for the coach of how do you pick the right set of players that you're going to get the most out of. Uh, you know, and you're hoping guys are in form or not. And, and so it creates some issues. Cause like Joe Scali, you know, we've got a lot of these guys that are up and coming that are playing against good teams and are, are going to be assets come world cup time, but it, it does make things difficult. when You need someone to step in and just perform. And, and, but you got this whole number of guys, any of which could perform if you just plug them in at the right time and they're in the right frame of mind. So it's a real challenge, I think, from Burhalter, but but it's something we also haven't had for a long time in the U.S. program. Just a a glut of really promising players getting good experience, and and but we, the coach's job is then to figure out how to narrow it down um, and, and put the right set on the on the field for each situation. So we'll see. You know, I think that's. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I, do. I agree. I agree. I also think that. All the U.S. fans, they, they for some reason don't take into consideration that that all these um, all these players are playing in different systems in their respective clubs, and so there's some players that, as good as they are, and, and sure they're studs. The coach isn't just gonna start them for the sake of starting. They gotta he's gotta bring them in, and they gotta show that they understand what he wants from them. And, and, you know, he's, they got to earn his trust. And I, I understand everyone's issue with Burhalter, this and that. But the, at, the, at the end of the day, he's still the guy making the calls. And if he's not starting somebody, it's because during practice or whatever, he's got a guy who he's seeing basically make mistakes. You know, no matter how talented he is, at the end of the day, the, a coach wants to see his wishes carried out on the field and, and, you know, some of these players that people are like, well, why does he keep calling them back? Because he he's comfortable with them, you know, and every coach has that. I mean, you know, so far, I think Greg's getting the results. And I swear, I swear if this team miraculously won, went all the way to the World Cup and won it, there was two people out there saying that, oh, we won the World Cup despite our coach our coach you know the, the players did it <laughs> so that's that's i mean there's that's always i was there. <laughs> i was really impressed with uh de la torre in the in the left wing i thought in the midfield he was just excellent and i never saw him play before and you know we didn't have weston mckinney right so i mean greg Bertal yeah. was like down one man and then the left the right back bringing in more i mean my gosh i mean they 
the U.S. Has, has really got a grip on their talent and know where they can pull from. We never really saw that in the past. It was always pull from Europe. I don't see and Europe I, anymore, you know? I think I think people need to see on the bright side and say, hey, if you think there's more talent out there that isn't being called up, you have to think of as the fact that, hey, we're getting these res- results despite that. So it's a good thing, you know, as we go forward into the World Cup to know that there is still more talent and, and better possible lineups, and, and hopefully we'll start getting them. Yeah, because as I was thinking through the game, finishing the game last night, watching it, just thinking, gosh, the downside, again, it's a good thing to have a good pool of talent and, and players that are still emerging and still over the next six months are going to be making cases that they need to be on that World Cup roster. Um, I, I think Paxton Pomichol is one of those guys that if he... Oh, I absolutely agree. He would be an asset to that that squad and get, just give them another look in that midfield. Mm-hmm. But gosh, that midfield is swamped with talent, and someone someone who's really talented is not going to be on that roster come December. I, yeah. I think that's the biggest concern for American fans is is that the the that Berhalter is somehow going to punish players for not having partaken in the qualification process. You know, I think that's the biggest concern is like, oh, the team that we have, there's other players that we can call in that we feel will be ready to, you know, help this team significantly when we're in the World Cup. And there's people that are seriously concerned that, hey, this manager may simply choose to reward those who are already here and tell them. I I know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's the concern from some people. It's like, it's like, you know, and they have a right to worry about that. You know, of course, they don't have the highest pain of of Berhalter, but. I think uh, I think I'm looking forward to see who else who else gets in and, and gets minutes. Going more, forward. more, more. I never seen him play before, so the, the you know the, the reason you know Reggie being out and and losing the other guy. Also, where does guy yeah. more come from? So you know, Moore's, I think it's whoever's. Uh, more has been playing in Spain, and he's actually uh, connected to FC Dallas, by the way. So he's actually yeah, considered one of the FC Dallas guys, but uh, he's been playing in in uh, La Liga. So I mean, he's he's one of these players mm-hmm. that. Has been playing at a high level. I don't. I don't know that he's a regular starter anymore. But this, besides that, you know, he's played high level opposition, and and he looked up to the challenge. And he's actually played before and looked good before. So I, I was not surprised that that he did good. But to Nathan's point, you know, Paxton plays with Ariola and Ferreira, right? You know, I would like to see that. You know, yeah. I would just like to see Paxton called up and 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 given a shot. I mean, I I always said the same care. thing about who he lines up against as long as he as long as he plays. I I you know, and Hollingshead is one of those players that will probably never get called up because he simply doesn't fit what Perhalter wants to do. And, and that's what I'm saying is there's some very talented individuals out there that Perhalter simply sees as not being a fit for what he wants to do, and that's why they're not getting their you know the minutes and call ups. You know, yeah. I I think when you have the bigger camps, you should still bring them in and give them a shot to prove to you that they can uh, pick it up. So I think that's what all we want is, hey, there's certain players, there's a lot of, there's so much talent that, you know, I mean, hmm. it's it's hard. I think it's going to be hard. It's harder. We have more talent. And like you said, I don't think there's a big difference between certain talents. I know people feel that there is. And so as a manager, it's like you have to determine 
which player you think is going to be best suited mm -hmm. with the core group too mind you, you people forget that certain athletes butt heads so you got to look at the at the at the locker room also you want a unit that's cohesive and and are you going to bring in a player who doesn't know anybody doesn't get along with anybody who's just here sure maybe they're professional but maybe they don't really have a bond that's another thing that you got to take into consideration that, that we don't get to see mm-hmm well, uh, it, it was good. It was a good weekend for U.S. soccer. Uh, I, I know we still going to have a little bit of anxiety about Wednesday night. Um, not uh, me. But good, not Jose. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not some me. I, I have not had the anxiety that everybody else has had. You know, everyone's been freaking out. I mean, uh, let's face it, Panama in the U.S., they're, 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 they're minnows. If it was in Panama, I, I'd be worried. But it wasn't in Panama. It was here. I never doubted that the U.S. would get. Uh, mind you, I'm not saying that I thought they would win 5-1, but I had no doubt that they would get a, a W against them, and uh, and I'm confident that they can go down there and get a, at least a draw against Costa Rica. In all honesty, credit to Walker Zimmerman. He's just playing. You know, he is he his play lately has put in my mind him into one of those like locks. If he if he stays healthy, if he keeps playing like this, he's just been so good for that team and such a rock back there. And um, and he's been what MLS defender defender of the year two years running. I mean, this guy is is basically is excuse me is basically is the kind of player you want. You know, okay, so he's not playing in Europe, but he's basically still playing at a high level here in MLS. And and you don't see a drop off when he steps up in the higher, you know, against higher level competition. And that's what you want. Yeah, his his heading and jumping up and presence in the box on set pieces is just valuable. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. Well, all right. Well, we got we got more to look 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 ahead to um, another match um, uh, tomorrow. Uh, no, not tomorrow. Wednesday night. Wednesday. Um, Wednesday. Um, as they travel down to Costa Rica and get the job done down there. Um, so it should be fun. So let's turn our attention back to uh, to North Texas with North Texas SC. Opened its inaugural season at home at Choctaw Stadium against Minnesota United FC 2. And it was our first chance to really see these youngsters, to see the mix of players, see how they're going to play. And, and despite a, some shaky moments here and there where their youth sh showed, they um, look great. Three to one win, opening goal from Captain Derek Waldeck, who we'll hear from in just a few moments. And uh, and then two goals from an academy kid, Tariq Scott, right? Tariq Scott, yes. Oh, that, man. that for some reason, for some reason, uh, ML, MLS Next Pro had him down as Scott Suteric. I, I don't know. It was. I thought it was weird, but they they finally corrected it. By the way, I saw it today. They, they fixed it. Good, a good mix of a player, some new faces, and things. You just got a sense of the energy of this team, of what uh, Coach Ka is asking of them and expecting of them, and we'll hear from him in just a moment too. So, but uh, an opening win is always good at home to get the season going, and it looks like it's going to be a fun, a fun season to watch these kids play. Watch them do their thing. Watch them grow, right? Yeah, yeah. I I want to actually make some observations on MLS Next Pro. I I watched as many games as I could get in. I actually watched every game. Uh, I watched a Friday game and then I watched every game Saturday. Not so much Sunday. I watched one game I think on Sunday. 
but I, I want to point out that not a single home team lost. It's going to be very hard to get results on the road in, in, in MLS Next Pro because the home teams, if, if the senior team is playing or, or playing at home that week, they can simply loan down as many senior players as, as they want to. You saw that with our next week's opponent, Tacoma, eight players, eight senior players on their roster, on, on their starting 11, and the three non-Seattle uh, players were all uh, oh, men, 22, 24, 26, and they were playing uh, Real Salt Lake, uh, the you know Monarchs, who are closer to what uh, North Texas does. You know, they're a team that will play a, a mixture of teenagers. They had like, you know, five or six teenagers and, and five or six, you know, adults. That's close to what North Texas does. Seattle, <laughs> they, they basically, they played two teenagers on their, on their starting lineup and one of them was Danny Leva. So, I mean, 118 games of MLS experience on the pitch. So, and, and that's that's the thing that 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 we saw with MLS Next Pro. Is teams were all <laughs> teams were all over the map. Some some teams like Minnesota United started seven players from their senior roster. Uh, some teams started, you know, academy kids, and and the results were all over the map. And it was very tough to get any points on the road. The only teams that did it, by the way, are really really good teams in uh, New England Revolution. Got two points uh, in the first ever shootout against uh, NYC FC, and then the other one was—I uh, can't think of who the other one was—but I think it was Sporting Kansas City, which another team that I think is very strong. They got a point against Colorado. Uh, the answer is yes, and I'm going to explain that to you guys. And I'm—I'm kind of sad that Ismail isn't here to argue with me, because I keep telling everyone that North Texas is actually one of the best teams in MLS Next Pro. And, and that's a team, their home field advantage is significant. Only three losses in the last three years at Choctaw Stadium. That's against better opposition week in and week out than what they're going to face here. But on paper, if you would have looked at North Texas's team and then looked at Minnesota United's team, on paper, Minnesota United's, uh, United had the better team. They had seven senior team members. They had Ja'Cory Hayes. They Ja'Cory had, Hayes. They had Callum Ja'Cory Montgomery. Hayes <laughs> and Callum Montgomery, for crying out loud, in their lineup. And on paper, it looked like a stronger team, but that's not the reality. The reality is that Minnesota, a lot of their coaches joined just within the week. Some of their players had actually played with the team and basically came down and, and, and you know, here you go, play with this team. And there's going to be a lot of teams like that in in Major League Next uh, and in Next Pro that are not real teams. It's basically, you know, uh, a lot of them. There, there's I can tell you right now that as hard it is to get points on the road, there are only three teams in the Western Conference that have good enough teams, strong rosters, strong coaching that could walk into Choctaw and legitimately take three points from North Texas. And those three are St. Louis, which, you know, right? It, 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 it's basically, they got like eight men 
on their roster that are going to be playing in MLS next year. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has a solid, strong U23 type team. And then the 13 is Tacoma, which is the same way. They've got a good U23 level team, and Seattle's not afraid to send a lot of players, especially at home. Those are the three teams that could walk into North Texas and potentially walk out with three points. Everybody else will be will basically be, be lucky to get a point at, at North Texas. And mind you, North Texas is one of those teams that I would say is good enough to go into your house and walk out with three points. I'm not saying they will, because it is tough to, to win on the road. And the difference is the academy, it's the integration. You would think that all the teams across the league do it, but that's not the case. Only the best academies do it. Your Philadelphia Union does it. Uh, uh, Miami uh, is doing it. Uh, FC Dallas does it. Where you you say, oh, hey, you know, Tariq Scott, he's a U17 kid or, or, or U19 kid. Hmm. Well, he's really like a U15 or U16. I mean, he's like 16 years old, but he's played with North Texas. He's played with uh, U19s, you know. The integration means that the academy kids that walk into the starting lineup, whether starters or reserves, know the system. They run it over and over. The full integration makes means there's no, there's not that huge drop off. If since FC Cincinnati brings an academy kid into their starting lineup, there's a drop off. That doesn't happen uh, with North Texas, and you're going to have a lot of more. Uh, Consistency. They're a true team, is what I'm trying to say. Is there's a lot of talented teams in, our, in uh, Next Pro that are not teams yet. They they won't gel for about half a season at the earliest. Well, let, let's that's that's a good segue then to kind of hear from uh, coach head coach of North Texas SC, Paul Mutaka. Um He's a you know former MLS guy, uh, won a championship last season with Pacific uh, up in the Canadian Pacific Premier League. Yeah, yeah and. Uh, uh, and I just, I got to ask them some questions. There are only a couple of reporters on the call, including one from Canada. And it was fun to get <laughs> ask some questions and just get a sense of his energy and why FC Dallas chose this guy. And let me tell you, by the end of the call, um, I was like, man, this guy fits with FC Dallas culture. And he is an exciting hire. And it raises the possibility that, hey, you know, maybe Burhalter steps down after the World Cup this year to do something else, you know. And Nico gets called back up, you know, or you know, all these kinds of scenarios. And we've got another guy uh, waiting here that that's getting seasoned and is going to have some possibilities. Of course, he could go somewhere else if he has success. But let's just listen to a little bit. First, I asked him. Um, um, I I um, asked him about uh, these questions that Jose you actually gave me. One about how they're going to integrate tactics, and then I asked him about. Uh, academy kids uh, and so we're going to have those first two questions and then then hear a little bit how I asked him sort of how they were going to approach what fans should look for when they see North Texas play so uh, we'll, we'll pause in between one and then before we do the final one but let's just listen to Coach Kahn, uh get a sense of his energy. Hey Nathan um, I mean for me when I came into this role um, uh, there was a long discussion uh, between um, me and Andre uh, Zanotta and uh, Matt Denny about the style that we want to implement, which will also be closely to the to the first team, because uh, obviously the the NTSC uh, role is to fa facilitate plays 
that uh, that can be easily adaptable in the first team, same as when players come down from the first team eventually if they have to need games. So they understand the similar roles that needs to be implemented. Obviously, um, um, we discuss all the time, me and Nico, we have a great communication line uh, with their staff and, uh, and the understanding of what we all want to achieve here together with the organization, because uh, that's also very much important that um, for us to create a pathway where young players can get minutes also develop so that they can be ready in case the first team calls or they're ready for college or anything. So for us, is to create a pathway with the NTSC. Great. Well, because that and that builds off to my next question, which is just sort of how much how much playing time can we expect for academy players this season? Well, for me, anybody that knows me is like for me, it's not about uh, your title. It's about what you can do. Right. Age. We don't care about the age. If a young player is good enough to be in the starting level, he will get his opportunity. Because uh, I always build off uh, training, what you show in training, and then the tactical decisions that we're going to make. So that would be the two main call for the academy boys. But the academy boys that have been training with us has been fantastic. I've been very pleased with their attitude. I've been pleased with their, their approach to the game, their willingness to learn, which is very important for me dealing with young players, as well as giving them the confidence to know that they can go out there and perform. So all the academy players, plus the signed players we have, they're all battling for minutes and they may be in case of situations where the first team players will come down and obviously they will have the priority to play because uh, they will, Nico will need them. But for us, is um, for us is our team is our team and we, and we will give minutes to players that show every day that they're capable of being at the level, whether you're 16 or, you, or you're 20. Well... Pause there before we get to the final thing because I did. I asked him after that too about the the rule changes um, with with MLS Next Pro, which is uh, no draws but uh, shootouts, right? So uh, yeah, so it's gonna be. So I asked him, and and he's not a fan of it. He's just not. He says not. You know, for him, he thinks yeah, it's just like fighting for that draw on the road there, there's a lot of pride in that to, to, to you know you learn a lot as a soccer player but then to have to go up and you, you miss a penalty kick and and then the loss is on one single player and not on a collective team like it's he thinks it's not so good for development he's probably right about that but you know we'll see you know we'll see we'll see um, uh yeah oh. we'll dry anyway um I see why they did it though, because if you, if you look up the teams that that got the two points from the draw, PK's draw, the the headlines is, you know, um, New England wins on the road, you know, because they got those two points. So so that's the headline <laughs> there, and and Colorado gets its first win. No, it was a draw, it was a draw against Sporting yeah. Kansas City. You got a extra point, but that's the headlines, and and so. It makes it so that teams that are in draws, you know, there's even the, the team that went to the, the PKs can claim a victory, you know, and the team that, that didn't, they can still say, hey, we got a point on the road. And, and people are used to that. So it's a little well, weird. Well, but that is I can weird. So I guess I, I glossed over that because I thought there wasn't going to be a point. It was. It was like you. Someone's gonna end up with three points, and someone's gonna end up with zero. No, you know, but no. no so. uh, the PK is for an extra point. So y y the draw means you both get a point, 
And then whoever wins the PK gets an extra point. So if you look at the standings, you'll see that New England Revolution has two points off a draw. And Colorado <laughs> has two points off a draw. And, you know, honestly, the teams that got the draws on the road are the teams that are, are teams that I think are playoff teams. You know, New England Revolution is a very strong team. They, they uh, I remember them from last year. They play very solid, compact defense. And they have a really great goalkeeper. And and they they basically dare you to beat them. And then they basically are counting. They have a couple of players, really good attacking players, that they're counting on to basically create a little magic and get them the W if necessary. So so not a sexy team, but an effective team. Um, and uh, same thing with Sporting Kansas City, which got the draw at Colorado. I mean, I, I look, those guys have like 26 players signed to the roster or something like that. And, and most of them are, you know, college aged. Uh, it's a solid team with a solid experience. So, yeah, it's it's very amusing. It's very amusing. And, and honestly, um, I think North Texas has a good shot at getting a draw at Tacoma, even though uh, Tacoma is a team that, that is built to, to beat a team like North Texas. You know, there, there's going to be men, real men growing, uh, playing there against the college kids and the teams that North Texas tradition has had trouble against are teams that are mature teams, physical teams that can stay compact on defense and, and basically get a, a, a like a set piece, you know, because, mm-hmm. because let's face mm-hmm. it as, as fast and young as North Texas, when you're in the box, that man muscle and strength and size, it comes forward, you know, and so teams like Tacoma, they can basically, you know, sit back, try to play for set pieces, try to play for for stuff like that. And, and they have the maturity to play a disciplined game, which uh, you saw Minnesota lack the discipline. I mean, I saw them basically trying to beat up the kids and trying to play. But Minnesota didn't have the discipline because they're not they weren't a real team. Tacoma used to play in the champ, uh, USL championship. And, and so their system is set. They, they're they going to be tough. Um, and they're going to try to grind a win out. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 0-0 going into like the 70th minute. And then you'll see basically the, the, that that falling and that grinding start to wear on the North Texas kids. Mm-hmm. And so the, the danger there is that we allow a late goal or two and – what could be a zero zero or one one draw suddenly turns into two goal loss. Hmm. So uh North Texas has to score really early, by the way. They need to yeah. they need to score as quickly as possible and force force Tacoma to play into the more more of uh pass style. By the way, one last thing. In USL <laughs> League One, they had a nickname for North Texas, uh the North Texas attack, and that was uh, death by a thousand passes, and and I'm glad we saw some of that. We saw, uh, you know, we didn't see much of it in the last as much as often, you know, in the last two years as we did in the first year. But we got a glimpse of that with with Paz team making a lot of passes, a lot of possession, and and uh, North Texas is one of the few teams that can do that, that can play that kind of you know, sort of like a tiki taka style. And, and it is draining for other teams to basically change that. Uh, there's only a few teams that can do it, and 
fortunately for us, they're over on the East Conference. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so just so you guys oh, keep Tommy, forward. You're muted. Yeah, you're muted, Tommy. I could hear you saying something. Sorry. To say something. Yeah. I was asking about uh, the Parker at left back, and uh, I think Ferreira's brother played well. Can you have any? Uh, Feedback on those yeah, guys. Yeah, well, I thought I thought Parker looked great. I honestly, I think Ferreira actually didn't play well. I think he was he was average at best. It, it should Isn't be he noted that he is young, so I'm I'm not holding that against him. I mean, he did he did start. He wasn't a weakness. I'm just saying he didn't stand out. And I and what stands out is that when he was replaced, he was actually replaced by Tariq Scott, who came in and basically changed the face of the game. And I want to point out, because I was one of the people that was concerned that 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 they weren't going to play the kids, is all five of the substitutes that came in were teenagers. Baker's an academy kid. Uh, he came in. Uh, Smith is an academy kid. He came in. Uh, Colin Smith is 18, even though he's he's uh, homegrown, but he's still 18-year-old. That Lacerda kid, uh, the kid they got from Cal United, he's 19. He was that really big kid with the number six shirt. He was massive. I'm like, who's that midfielder up there? He looks, he looks like a, he looks, he looks like a center back. He was right. out there, and I forget mm-hmm. who the, I forget who the fifth guy was, but it was also another kid. And and I was very excited they played, they played uh, that they played at least three academy kids and two young players. That's yeah. what you want to see, and that's what you will continue to see from North Texas. And and I think. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what we, we want to see those guys get minutes so we can see what Ferreira is going to do and if he's going to follow in his, his dad and right. his, his older brother's footsteps. <laughs> or, and, but, <laughs> and I thought one thing is, is uh, you know, Antonio Carrera, Car- the goalkeeper, Carrera. was just great. Right. You could just right. see why this kid is was a bright he future. He balled out, man. He had like yeah, six I'm going to ask about him too. Good. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, the, you know, we saw it all. We, we saw that the back line was shaky. Uh, and honestly, if Carrera doesn't stand on his head, um, maybe maybe we walk out of there with a 3-3 draw because uh, that was an issue the last year. We had uh, Sanchez and uh, uh, the kid from the, the draft, ki- uh, draft pick kid. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but uh, they both were very inconsistent and there was games where they allowed three and four goals. And if Carrera can play like this on a regular basis, you know, it'll make yeah. up for the fact that the back line is the weak point of the team. The midfield has played together for a long time, and, and the reserves that they're going to bring in are going to be academy kids who are familiar with the system. Same thing with the attack. The attack and the midfield are the strength of this team. The back line, four new starters, Pope, Parker, uh, Nice, and uh, the kid from from Canada, and of course Carrera. So that's where it's going to be shaky for a while. And and I'm just want to say that there's very few teams that can actually take advantage of that. That's the great thing about the team playing in MLS Next Pro is that very few teams are geared to be able to punish North Texas for that. And so they'll have a little bit, you know, they'll have to like mid season to get it patched up and figured out. Let's listen to, um, it's a little more of, of coach cause energy here. I asked him about kind of what to expect for the weekend and, you know, for fans to come out. And so, um, uh, here he is. Ah, it's going to be great. As we all know, it's a new, 
it's a new league, which is fantastic. I think it's it's it was there prior, but I think now people are taking it, uh, people are advancing it better because when I came in 2013, it was uh, it was the reserve league, right? It was MLS reserve league. So now it's back to MLS next pro, which is fantastic for the young talents that every club is growing in North America. It's football is growing, so. We, uh, North Texas, uh, we're going to play our brand of football. Obviously, we're facing Minnesota too, but we are playing, uh, we're going to focus on us because I do believe that focusing on us, what we're doing is the most important thing. We want to play uh, exciting football. We want to be on the front foot, you know, and uh, we're playing every game to win. That's just who we are. That is the nature of my team and that's the nature of me. So hopefully we can we can put on a show for you for, for the fans, which is important. And therefore we 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 telling every fans come support because uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for people down in uh, Arlington to see a young team, you know, uh, come to rotation this this year. So the the more fans, the better. Yeah, the more fans, the better. Right. I'm I'm excited about. Just his energy. I think he really does fit the FC Dallas kind of way. And uh, and um, certainly appreciated Eric Quill. Was a great uh, great leader for a great head coach. But, you know, you got to move on sometimes to do other things. And so here here he comes. And it seems like the team's not going to skip a beat at all. You know, I like the way he speaks. Very confident. Very confident. Yeah. And his team plays, you know, very confident too, which is a reflection on him. I mean – under Quill, the, the team passed a lot, but they didn't pass with the aggressiveness that you're seeing from this team. This team was very aggressive, very prodding, very, you know, if if they lost the ball, they quickly pounced. And, and I think the last two goals came off of quick turnovers, which I was saying, uh, I think, in the week before that, you know, off the counter. And people are like, oh, well, this is not a counter team. Well, I mean, I mean, the quick counter, once they force a turnover, the team will spring into attack mode. And 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 that I was that's what I was trying to explain, and that's what you saw from Scott it was turnover, boom, punish, and North Texas, that's what they're built for. Uh, I don't think Quill took advantage of that, or maybe his teams basically just let him down because they they got the shot opportunity, just couldn't finish them. But you see, this team has is that kind of team. Any team that wants to play an open game against North Texas will eat multiple goals because this team is built to punish you on those turnovers you do not want to turn the ball over in your own third of the field against north texas usl teams understood this they made sure that they 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 did not turn the ball over against north texas they forced north texas to try try to break them down and 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 i i don't think this league is prepared to deal with north texas i'm not saying i don't think north texas is the best team in the league but there, I'm saying there's true teams in this league, and there are teams that are won't be true teams for another year or two that are learning. That's where this team is ahead of those teams. There's only a handful of teams that are true teams. Tacoma is one of them, and, and, that, and that's why I'm concerned about them next week. Well, great. Well, let's just kick over a little bit to uh, hear a little bit from Derek Waldeck. Congratulations on his first goal of the season. Um, he is, what is more interesting, one of the older players on the team. He is the captain. Uh, yes. One of the, he's, he's been there a little bit longer than most, so he has a sense of continuity and leadership. And He's, he's yeah. the first uh, three-year player on the team. Uh, North Texas used to have a hard two years to prove yourself. 
or you're gone. That's why Arturo was gone after two years. That's why Donald's gone after two years. And this last season, they had a change and said, okay, maybe we should keep some of these players uh, longer than two years. And Waldick is the first one. Yeah. So it's good. So it's good to hear from him. Uh, so we'll just maybe listen to the first question or two um, um, that, I, that I, I left up to him. The first one is just about, about the penalty rule change and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect, to be completely honest with you on that front. Um, in terms of other teams around the league, I know for us, it, it's not going to change anything. Um, we're going to be looking each and every game to pick up all three points. We're not going to be content with one. We're not going to be content with two. The, the goal is going to stay uh, to pick up all three points, regardless of whether we're on the road um, or at home. So, Yes, it, it might change the complexion of the last few minutes of a game. You know, if, if you're trailing, if the game's tied, if you're ahead, how that plays out. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we're, we're playing to win. Um, we're not going to be playing for shootouts. That's, that's not who we are and who we want to be. Um, so we're going to do our best just to win it in regulation. And if we have to go there, then, yes, we're going to do our part to be prepared, um, to put ourselves in the best position um, to win each and every shootout. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, those are valuable points. If, if you can pick up an extra few points from shootouts, if you were to draw five games and you pick up three extra points, you know, that's an extra win essentially on your record. So yes, we'll, we'll be prepared as, as well as we can be. Um, but definitely won't be looking, um, looking to draw games. We're, we're going into each game trying to win. What, what, what do you feel like your goals are as a soccer player? Uh, you're, you 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 have the, the, uh, well, you've been with the team longer than some of the new faces and things. So you have sort of a natural leadership role in that. You've seen some continuity. You're one of those continuity pieces that uh, provides some stability. So just what do you want to see coming out of this year as you continue your development as a, as a soccer player? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think for me personally, it's just all about that 1% growth each and every day. Um, you know, I, I have an opportunity every single day that I get to step on the field to train, to push myself, to get out of my comfort zone um, and just to challenge myself, frankly, to, to be the best player I can be each and every day. Um, and I, I know I have aspirations to make it at the next level to the MLS level, USL championship, whatever is next in the years coming. I, I want to push myself on um, to another level, but that's not something that just happens overnight. That, that only happens if, if I'm willing personally to put in the work each and every day to commit to, to having the right habits, doing the, those little things that will um, just make me 1% better each day because that will add up over time. Um, and I'm hopeful that that can help push me on um, onto the next level individually. Um, and it's also about challenging myself as a leader, you know, and as a human being, it's, the game is a lot more than just what you can do with your feet. Um, it's about who you are as a human being, how, how I can challenge the guys around me in the locker room. And, you know, my, my goal is that I have a lasting impact on whatever guys I get to share the locker room with this year, that wherever they move on to, wherever I might move on to in the future, um, that this is a group that everybody remembers. Um, and that hopefully I can be a leader that, um, guys remember is someone who they would like to go into battle with each week and that would encourage them, challenge them in the right ways. Um, and just try to pull, pull the very best from each and every player in our locker room. Yeah, just a little taste there, Derek. A good guy. Um, seems like he's he's really focused. I also asked scored, him just about scored the first goal too. And he scored the first goal. Good for him. You know, and I asked asked him about just the sense of uh, you know the 
what makes FC Dallas Academy so special right now, a special place, an enticing place to, to be, is because of guys like Ricardo Pepe. Um, it's because those opportunities like Justin Shea to get minutes at that level, but then to have that pathway to Europe. Um, so, and he, of course, he, he just acknowledged that that is a huge thing and, but, and that it's a reality check because a lot of players just want to go straight to Europe, but you know, it doesn't always work out that way. So these are always opportunities, uh, to, to make that impact and it can happen here just as well as in other places. So re- really cool, uh, really good guy. Really g- glad to see him get that, that opening goal. And, and I'm proud too, that he's just willing to name his his own aspiration to make it to the next level. Because I, I do think if he keeps playing this way, it, it will make it difficult for FC Dallas not to find out, find some way to keep him around and give him more opportunities. You know, um, a, a solid player for this team and a solid leader. Uh, yes, and, and I want to point out that, that I'm glad he brought up USL Championship because honestly, that's where he projects right now. He's basically a fringe MLS player at best. But mind you, he's a player that can come up and 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 play with the senior team when they're short on bodies and and uh so there's always a chance that he'll impress to the point where they actually take a chance in him but the truth is is he's probably more a a usl championship level player at the moment and i'm glad he understands that because i mean that's something we're not talking about is that north texas players are starting to populate the usl championship and usl league one you know You've got the uh, you know players signing left and right with USL League One teams, uh, Cesar uh, and uh, Molina I think are both over in Ford Madison. You got Gibran Rios showed up in Rochester, but then you've got you know several players at USL Championship level, and I think that's where he's currently at. But as long as he keeps getting minutes with the senior team, there's always a chance that he'll impress to the point where they say, okay, you know what, we we need you. So I'm glad that he's he understands that that he needs to when that opportunity is, is granted to him, he's basically at least given himself a shot. And mind you, he could also trial for the right team and and find minutes there. I mean, uh, a team like St. Louis or, or mm-hmm. North Carolina, Inter Miami. I mean, there's teams out there that are short on bodies that could use a good solid uh, bench piece, and he would at least be that. So, so I'm not saying he he's absolutely USL. I'm just saying right now, he's that's probably his level is USL Championship. But I'm glad that he's still trying to push himself higher. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, look, let's let's start to wrap up the show here. But before we do that, let's just let's look ahead this this weekend. Dallas <coughs> is back in action. Play an afternoon game in Chicago in the revamped. Chicago uh, squad uh, some some good talent there now a team that's looking a lot better than they have been in the past couple of years so it's going to be a tough match and our first chance to really see uh, well I guess not the first chance but another chance for us to see um, this team how they're going to do on the road um, and 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 especially see Velasco uh, again to see how he's developing with another another couple of weeks of practice under his belt with this team what are our predictions? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I predict that uh, Ferreira and Ariola won't be starting. They'll be getting a break, and we'll see uh, O'Brien on the, on the other wing and Har up top. I'm pretty sure that will be the case. Um, but I think we get the win. I, I would see FC Dallas winning 2-0, 2-1. 
um, I think I think I'll be happy with a draw. So now, if I think if we had Ariola and, and Ferrer starting, then I would give us a good chance at walking away with three points because Chicago doesn't have that home field advantage. But they are a solid team, and 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 the concern is that you know Ferreira, Ariola, and Shun, you know, mm-hmm. probably won't be available, so we'll be a little light. And I think uh, if they can go in there and get a point, that'd be great. But like I said, Chicago is playing much better. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it's in a grass field. So, so I, I think I think uh, FC Dallas has a shot. Like Tommy says, I'm, I'm glad he's confident with the three points. They have a shot. But the concern is that because they're missing several starters, the opportunities may not get, you know, may be there. We may be ruling the fact that they leave a couple of goals on, you know, mm. and, and and walk out of there with a with a draw instead of a win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think a draw would be a good a good thing, especially if we just continue to see the team get stronger, continue to grow together. It, I mean, a lot of it depends on this Wednesday night thing. Is if if you know Burhalter may decide to rest. Ariola, bring him off the bench and Jesus, and so they might have be a little fresher. You know, we'll just we got we'll have to see how. I'm not holding my breath on that, but we'll just have to see how those. Yeah. Things well, happen. Ferrer Ferrer played the whole game, and he was just gassed at the end. Did you see him just fall <laughs> yeah. to the ground? Yeah. And he was he was he was having those cramps right before the game ended. He just fell down. Uh, he, and he played great, and but I, I can see him getting a rest. Uh, he's not gonna. I don't think he'll play Wednesday, and uh, maybe he will be back. For Saturday, but I, I really think he needs a break. I think, I think, regardless of the result, I'm I'm just watching to see the team grow, watching to see if they, you know, even even if they happen to lose, it's how you lose. Did you look bad losing on the road? I mean, Lucci's teams would go on the road and just play god awful. I don't want to see that. I want to see is Sean back? Huh? Is Sean back? I, is not, Sean back? I don't know. I don't know that he is. He should be though. Uh, but I'm just saying, it, it, you saw the team was night and day. You know, when they were at home, they were dangerous. When they were on the road, they were just lethargic and 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 they just looked really bad on the road. So that's what I'm looking for is is to see if we see a, a strong play like they had a, against New England, and and hopefully build on that because that's honestly that's what we want to see. Is we, it'd be nice to have a team that looks just as good on the road as they do at home. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I appreciate all the comments tonight. Everyone checking in on us. And uh, uh, it was a good weekend of soccer for FC Dallas fans and for U.S. fans. And we're looking forward to more uh, in the coming weeks. So, Jose, Tommy, thank you for your time this evening. Of course, check Thanks, us Rob. out. Thanks, check Tommy. Us, yeah, check us out. on the, uh, Subscribe on the podcast. If you can't catch us live, and you, you'll uh, get a uh, you know audio version of this um, available to you wherever you get podcasts, all right? Good night, everybody. Good night.